Coming up on Transformers University, it is the year 2020. But we're taking a look back to the year of 1986 and some of the weirdest and wildest stuff from that era. The kids stuff and Ladybird storybooks and audiobooks. Right now on Transformers University. Hit the music. Hello, my friend, and welcome to a long overdue episode 77 of Transformers University. I am your host, Anthony Brucali, and I want to thank you for coming back with me here in the year 2020. Now, before we get into the show, I know it's been a while, it's been a while. between this episode and the previous episode, and uh, that's because I got a lot of big kind of personal news going on and if you're part of the patreon you already know what's going on but if you're not you should be www.patreon.com slash tfu info uh for as little as dollar a month you would have gotten this episode a day early plus all sorts of other goodies at the higher levels and we are only one patron away from hitting our goal of 25 in fact we hit the goal of 25 and then someone canceled so I can't keep the uh, the number 25 up for a month. I can't do the goal. So we need to get that number above 25 for at least 30 days. Now, back to what has caused the delay in this show. So much like you, I have a, a day job and uh, uh, up until recently a day job and a side job and this podcast and the website uh, and the YouTube channel. So I am a very busy person. I am also a husband and a father. And so, you know, my time gets pulled in many different directions. That's, that's not the reason why of the delay. So in my current job, uh, in my career, my day job, um, I actually applied for and uh, got a promotion to a new position. And that promotion also came with a relocation. So, in order to take that promotion, uh, I had to move uh, myself and subsequently my wife and my daughter, uh, who have not made the move yet, but will in the coming months, uh, from Long Island, New York to Orlando, Florida. Uh, I am currently in Orlando, Florida. That is the new home of the TFU.info studios, uh, soon to be opened (laughs) at some point. But for those of you who have ever moved or ever even moved across town, uh, you know how much work goes into that. And between that and the holidays, uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's, uh, and my daughter then getting sick on New Year's Eve, and myself subsequently being sick probably from right before Christmas up until a few days ago. In fact, I, I, I wanted to do this show a couple of days ago, and my throat was just shot. So that's kind of all the reasons behind that but the, I guess the the positive side to this is that now that I'm in Orlando, Florida, with TFCon coming up in March at in Orlando, Florida, and I, I mapped it out, it's like 15 minutes from where where I'm living at the moment. Uh, I will most certainly be attending that convention at least for one day. So if you're planning on heading over to TFCon in Orlando in March, please uh, come find me. Uh, let's hang out. Let's have a few drinks. Let's talk some Transformers. 
Now I'll address this more on TFU News and Views because I'm going to do one of those soon, either today or tomorrow. I'm going to record it and hopefully have it out for you just as quickly. But let's get into our current lesson for Transformers University. And you know, this episode, I actually researched a lot of this probably back around the end of November and uh, it took shape uh, pretty quickly. But then <laughs> I guess all the stuff with uh, Kappa happened with YouTube and uh, one of the sources I was using for the audio and video for this episode, well, audio, not video, I should say, for the audio of this episode, decided to take down all of his content. Uh, so I had to do a lot of digging for some of these episodes. And in fact, one of them that I had written around having audio clips, uh, I no longer have access to that audio. So when I get that audio available somewhere online, again, we'll do that as a Patreon exclusive episode. And by the way, uh, I know one thing I'm doing this year for uh, a New Year's resolution, if you will, is uh, I'm trying to be more supportive of the shows I listen to on Patreon. And uh, as of right now, I only support two shows, but I'm going to change that. But I, one of the, I was only supporting one, and that was uh, Transmissions Podcast. Uh, and I've expanded my uh, Patreon patronage uh, to the great folks, one of my oldest friends in the world, Brian Kilby, and their new Patreon campaign over at Radio Free Cybertron. So you should check both those campaigns out. Uh, Brian does a great job. Jeremy and the boys over at Transmissions also do a great job. And uh, support the shows you love, folks. That's the the way they continue to do more work and it's the way we justify more work, uh, more shows, more things. It keeps the lights on, as they say. Now, if you want to go back and do some research on a couple of these topics that we've touched on before i would say go back to episode 25 and episode 38 of this series of transformers university that's where we touched on some of the kid stuff and some of the ladybirds uh ladybird books first book we're going to talk about from kid stuff was called jaws of terror jaws of terror. now jaws of terror was written by John Braden with art by Pablo and Judith Marcos. Uh, and you can find out more about those uh, back when we did the old kid stuff books for sure. I talked uh, pretty in depth about them both. Now, it's interesting to note that in Jaws of Terror, that there were different voices uh, used from the previous kid stuff stuff. And uh, I, th I guess that's more to match the cartoon show. Uh, and particularly Megatron and Soundwave. So let's let's give a quick listen to our buddies Megatron and Soundwave from episode 25. Faster! Faster! My warriors need every drop of that lovely black juice to bathe their gears and fuel their engines. Total domination of the universe cannot wait unfold! Yes, mighty Megatron! And here they are in Jaws of Terror. Destroyed Shockwave Blaster. Soundwave exclaimed with horror. Megatron whirled and faced Soundwave. Do you want to be next? He snarled fiercely. Now this story starts out with Soundwave finding Megatron outside, standing over the smoking remains of Shockwave. And uh, this artwork is very toyetic, uh, particularly... Megatron. 
Now, Megatron mentions uh, it's a fake Shockwave and talks about how Shockwave will never try to take command again, and Soundwave offers a plan to use his logic against Shockwave. The plan is to get more fuel to keep the Decepticons loyal. Now back at Autobot headquarters, the Dinobots are returning from base. It's interesting to note here that the origins kind of note the comic book origin of the Dinobots and that the Dinobots are in the Antarctic, uh, a.k.a. the Savage Land from Marvel Comics. And uh, the Dinobots are then attacked by Starscream and the, quote, Decepticon Super Jets. Jets. Now Slag breaks away from the group, tries to make it to base alone. And in this version, he is a know-it-all. That's typical of the other Dinobots. I told them that a large formation was a perfect target for a Decepticon attack, but nobody paid any attention to me. Well, they're paying for it now, but good. I went along with their plan, even though I didn't agree. Now, I'll go it alone. I can take care of myself. But Slag is rammed by Ramjet and damaged. The Decepticons flee, and Slag hides in an ice wall. Somehow, Slag can fly in uh, dino mode in this story. It's very odd. Megatron continues to insult Soundwave, as we've seen in previous iterations of this universe. Did you get a fix on where he went in, you tape-filled idiot? And here you go again. Here is one of the old ones. It's a classic. Let's hear it. You blundering tape-filled idiot! Now, the Decepticons want Slag to use for the location of the Autobots oil supply. Soundwave pilots a boring machine that is uh, not an uninteresting machine but one that actually drills into the earth uh, a drill tank if you will uh, and he uh, pilots his boring machine into the ice they find uh, the Dinobot base and Ratchet is there repairing slag and fires something at the borer uh, the Decepticons flee uh, and some interesting Ratchet art here there's some uh combination of the toy design uh, he's got the cross on him uh, as in the early 84 toy design and the trailer is used as a repair bay uh, ratchet is annoyed because the repairs are taking time from reactivating these other dinobots and we learn this from optimus and prowl it looks peaceful enough now chief why it's been days since we detected and scared away that decepticon thermobore Yes, but we haven't seen the end of Decepticon Evil. Optimus Prime pointed out. Their devilish plans have no limits. But the Decepticons were prepared. They can't build that beam. They took the shield. Has made their memories scramble by. Useless. The Decepticons have beta blockers? Do they have high blood pressure? Megatron orders Soundwave to use... The Crusher. Soundwave suggests siphoning off fuel instead. I think it would make more sense and be safer and stickier to siphon off the Autobot bases for the supply with an underground laser track. 
Don't you dare think, you mechanical fool! I do the thinking, you do the working! Then we see the Decepticon Ice Crusher. Uh, it's this huge tank with uh, spike treads and missiles on the side uh, and a turret. Uh, teeth on the front, and it can fly too. This is really like something seven-year-old me would draw as a potential Transformer. <laughs> um, I, I have to, I'll tweet out an image of this thing. Definitely have to tweet out an image of this ridiculous-looking contraption. Be sure to Keep an eye out for that at TFU underscore info. Uh, I will totally get that out to you. Uh, you know, the Decepticon Crusher, it's worse than climate change. Within hours, the continent of Antarctica was in sight. Landing on the Ross ice shelf, the Crusher's jaws began to turn. The monster inched forward with a deafening sound. The ice shelf was being cut apart, creating huge new icebergs that immediately plunged into the freezing sea. Oceans were raised, flooding cities many miles north of Antarctica. Now, the Crusher closes in on Dinobot HQ, and uh, the vibration unleashes a horde of Dinobots, yes, a horde of Dinobots from the tar pits. Breaking out of their tar pit prisons, hundreds of Dinobots began rising to the surface out of the black ooze of time. And you know what they say. Time is the fire in which we burn! The Dinobots destroy the Crusher. And the end. Uh, it doesn't quite say how they wrapped everything up after that. But that, in a nutshell, is Jaws of Terror. And that will take us to the second story we're going to cover in this episode, and that would be Slaves of the Insecticons. Slaves of the Insecticons. Another kid stuff book by the same author and artist. Uh, this one starts with the Autobot, quote, Super Jets, returning from refueling in Guam, and they are led by Skyfire. Now, Skywarp. Uh, decides to have a surprise attack on the Autobots uh, and then flees. Skyfire chases, and Optimus and Prowl observe. There's one thing we know for certain, Prowl continued. This pattern of attacking and then running is becoming a common occurrence in countries bordering on the Pacific Ocean. What could be the Decepticon's reasoning? Next day, another attack. The Decepticons shoot down two Autobot jets, and the Decepticons keep the Autobots away from the island of Beru. This island is actually a real place. It is not the flaming remains of Luke Skywalker's aunt. For Buru was a gold mine, or perhaps more accurately, an oil mine. And they are led by Venom, the deluxe Insecticon. It might be his only fictional appearance. It is definitely his first fictional appearance in any sort of Transformers fiction. Now, Venom... Uh, has turned the locals into slaves and at the Decepticon Weapons Development Center, Megatron and Soundwave are inspecting the oil driller and transporter. Soundwave, his aide, was puzzled at the leaves and branches mounted on top of the transporter. What's all that jungle stuff on top of it bastard? Soundwave asked. Megatron snarled back. You tape-filled nitwit! That's and they are headed to Beru. At Autobot headquarters, Prowl and Optimus have no news 
but Bumblebee is captured and now a slave. Cutting back to Megatron, Venom, and Soundwave on a ship, they see Optimus and Prowl approaching. Optimus and Prowl survey the camp and get attacked by the Insecticons. Megatron drives the drill into the jungle, and Optimus calls in the Dinobots, again in flying dinosaur modes. On the transporter, Megatron cries with a rebel yell. but then pauses to insult Soundwave. Stop your whining, you cassette-stuffed twerp! Optimus and the Autobots attack Megatron Soundwave, hit the escape pod as the transporter explodes. I'll finish you yet, Optimus Prime! I'll return and finish you yet! Megatron roared as the mole escape pod disappeared beneath the surface into the oily ooze. And the battle continues. Only it wouldn't. Sadly, it's the last book in the Kid Stuff series. And I'm going to go out on a limb here. It's not much of a limb. Kid Stuff Megatron is the best Megatron. Admit it, you want more stories of him insulting Soundwave. You really do. And that'll take us on to our Ladybird book coverage. If you want to head on back to episode 38, that's the last time we talked about Ladybird books. And this one, as with all of the Ladybird books, was written by John Grant. And this one's called Galvatron's Air Attack. It features art by Richard Dunn. Uh, I had a little bit of a hard time researching him, so these little notes here about Mr. Dunn are possible, but not necessarily confirmed. Uh, he is an artist residing in Baghat, Surrey, uh, in the UK. He was born in 1936 in Johannesburg, South Africa, and paints uh, currently wildlife uh, portraits and scenics. And there's some interesting stories set up in this book. Leaders come and go. Galvatron travels back from the 21st century to take over from Megatron, commander of the Decepticons. Then, the strange disappearance of Optimus Prime leaves the Autobots without a leader. And Ultra Magnus arrives from Cybertron to take his place as the Autobots' new commander. And so the fight goes on, both now and far into the future, on different time levels. And hey, that's the Target 2006 setup. Now, if you haven't read Target 2006, uh, or you aren't caught up here, swing on back to Episode 71. It wasn't that far away. We covered the first half of Target 2006, and I'll give you a hint. The second half of Target 2006 will be the next episode we do here at Transformers University. Now back to the story. Ratchet and Wheeljack are repairing Hot Rod, and they need better materials. Cup recommends salvaging a former battleground. Now Ultra Magnus builds up a team of Cup, Wheeljack, Hoist and Grapple, and Spike. That's weird. Because if this is in Marvel continuity, it should be Buster, right? But in this weird kind of Buster Spike, Portman 2, if you will, uh, they head to the valley, and Spike sounds a lot like Cartoon Spike. That's not the Decepticons, he said. That's the Northern Lights, the Aurora Borealis. It won't hurt us. Now, it's funny he mentions the Northern Lights because Spike had a big 
deal about those back in the cartoon in episode 7 in Fire in the Sky. Uh, but in the valley, the Autobots are attacked by Decepticon jets. Starscream, Dirge, Thrust, Cyclonus, and Scourge. Story on the jets! The Autobots flee through an hour gorge back to Metroplex. But what they don't know is how the Decepticons knew they were coming. Silverbolt offers up a chance to go on a reconnaissance mission. I suggest that we carry out a thorough examination of the whole area of the old battlefield. I can be ready for takeoff at first light tomorrow. Back at Decepticon headquarters, Dirge is damaged, and Decepticons have a surveillance system. The Aerobots survey the valley, and they find something. They form Superion and race to the edge of the atmosphere. At Decepticon headquarters, Galvatron and Soundwave are there, and Galvatron reveals this story's MacGuffin. The three surveillance space stations keep all parts of the planet in view at all times. We can see every move made by the enemy, no matter how well he thinks he is hidden. And the refraction shields will make the stations totally invisible. That's quite the interesting voice of Galvatron in this story. The Decepticon space station Argon is that particular MacGuffin, and it is commanded by Blitzwing. Uh, they engage the refraction shield as opposed to the reflection shield, and the Autobots send out a scout. It's all yours, Cosmos. Good luck. Cosmos? One more time. Cosmos? <laughs> Sorry, I can't get past the Cosmos. Um... They find the station, and uh, they need to destroy them. The Autobots work on a plan. That plan involves the Northern Lights. Good, said Cop. Now I know what we're going to do. Huffer and Wheeljack say that they can build a transmitter which will trigger off a display of the Northern Lights in the upper atmosphere. That will blot out radio signals between the Decepticon space stations and between them and their base. Hound can send false messages which will get through the static. The Decepticons will not know whether they are coming or going. It should be fun for us. All of the available Autobots are needed for construction, and ten days later, that is some quick construction. Good job, Autobots. Uh, ten days later, the Autobots finish setup and hope not to be spotted. Yes, said Swerve. We have to move fast and hit them before they can decide what to do. Whoa, we got a voice for Swerve. That is what Swerve sounds like, folks. Um, I think he had one line in the cartoon, actually. I always confuse if it's Swerve or Tailgate that got to talk, but I'm pretty sure it was Swerve. So the Autobots, they succeed with their fake Aurora Borealis, and Blitzwing receives a message from Soundwave. Emergency. Space Station Argon. Redeploy to coordinates Alpha 902. Immediate. Alpha 90210. And those stations are named Krypton and Xenon. Uh... Combine that with argon, and those are all noble gases. Stations collide and explode with the added benefit to the Autobots. Now, some thoughts on this one. Uh, it's a neat cast choice for a book. It works for me on a personal level because I had a lot of these characters as toys as kids. 
uh, Ultra Magnus Wheeljack Ratchet Cup Superion Hoist. Uh, that is like 90% of my <laughs> childhood Autobots right there. And that takes us to the final original story we'll be covering in this episode. And this is the one I don't have audio for. This is Decepticon Hideout, illustrated by Graham Potts. Uh, he illustrated book jackets for uh, Brian Lumley and Dean Koontz. Uh, and unfortunately, I do not have the audio for this one anymore, and there's some good stuff in here. So, if that audio should come back online, uh, and of course, I will give full credit to the person who puts that online, I will do a Patreon-exclusive episode with some of the best sound bites from Decepticon Hideout. Now, this one starts with Hot Rod and Spike, and they are reading a magazine. There's an alert at Metroplex and the Decepticons have infiltrated the area and attacked and were then subsequently defeated. Now Bumblebee and Spike they were sent to investigate a recovery crew and they followed Onslaught back to an estate. Spike wants a closer look and we find out that this uh, universe's Bumblebee is kind of a jerk. He's kind of um, very direct and mean to Spike uh, in this conversation but Bumblebee spies Brawl being repaired and Galvatron uh, there as well. They get caught and flee, and they're chased by Swindle and hide in a junkyard. In the meantime, Spike finds uh, the junkyard and looks for some bronze chrome rims for Hot Rod, because Hot Rod is obsessed with his rims. He ends up finding Bumblebee about to be wrecked by a magnet and rescues him. Everyone heads back to Metroplex, and Ultra Magnus gets advice from Spike's father, and that's in quotes because that's how they refer to him about how to counterattack. The Autobots uh, infiltrate a local factory estate and wait until the humans are on summer vacation. From that staging ground, they attack the Decepticon hideout. Spike's father attacks the Decepticons with a calorifier, which is a, a heating unit. And Spike uses the junkyard magnet to grab some Decepticons. Ultra Magnus and Galvatron battle, and Ultra Magnus falls because of some loose bricks underneath him. Galvatron has the upper hand until Spike hits him with a wrecking ball. Spike hits him multiple times before bringing the building down on the Decepticons. Later on, Hot Rod returns to the magnet and frees the stuck Decepticons, letting them go. And then back at the base, Hot Rod gets a reward for being genuinely a nice bot. And that reward is some new rims. At Metroplex, Ultra Magnus and the other Autobots decide to repair the industrial estate before the workers hit back from summer vacation, and they are none the wiser. And that, in a whole, is Decepticon hideout. And finally, that will bring us to the last thing we cover in this episode of Transformers University, and that is the Ladybird adaptation of the 1986 Transformers the movie. Um... There's not a lot of changes, but there's some subtle differences, and I think it would be neat to point them out and show them off here. And uh, In fact, this story is uh, adapted by John Grant. The art is just basically screen grabs from the film. Um, I guess they're called screen grabs. I don't know what you would call them prior to computers, but let's just call them screen grabs for, this, for, for our purposes here. Starts with uh, no scene of Unicron attacking Lathone. It actually starts with Optimus and Ironhide on Moonbase 1. 
we find out that the moon bases are actually staging grounds for an invasion of Cybertron, but the Autobots need some Energon to power that invasion. And come to think of it, that's that's kind of the uh, the Vic Caroli voiceover from the film, isn't it? And the story pretty much continues on uh, as it would in the film. Uh, the Decepticon slaughter of the Autobots aboard the ship is kind of glossed over, and Grant delivers some of the film's most iconic lines during the Battle of Autobot City. One shall stand, one shall fall. Worth mentioning here, Optimus and Megatron, uh, in their fight, there's no mention of Hot Rod uh, interfering and getting in the way. In the descriptions of Unicron, uh, he's apparently snow-capped. I mean, I guess so, right? He's a planet. He probably has weather, or does he? Uh, Interesting interesting note that he does have snow-capped edges in, in this description. And in Unicron's reconstruction of the Decepticons, we make it the only accurate presentation of what went on. The broken remains of the other Decepticons became aircraft transformers under the leadership of Scourge and Cyclonus. Lastly, Unicron produced an immense new spaceship to lead Galvatron's armada. And once again, the planet of Quintessa is referred to as Planet Quintesson. This is Quintesson, was the reply. It is the home of the Sharkticons who brought you here and their masters, the Quintessons. They hunt down the enemies of Unicron, a monstrous thing which devours other worlds. I am the only survivor of the destruction of my home planet. And, yeah, that was Kranix, and he has quite the unique voice for that character. But, guilty or innocent, the sentence is always the same! Death! And uh, the story, again, continues on as Transformers the movie would. If you've never seen Transformers the movie and want some more detailed, uh, in-depth coverage of that film, episodes 50 through 52 of Transformers University, we really blew it out on Transformers the movie. And uh, go back and listen. Those are a lot of fun to do, those episodes. And uh, we got a milestone episode coming up in episode 100. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it's going to be a good one. And finally... We get Unicron's robot mode explained. Next moment, Galvatron fell to his knees as the surface upon which he stood began to shake. Unicron was moving forward towards Cybertron, and he was transforming into a gigantic horned winged demon. And with that, we will wrap up episode number 77 of... Transformers University. Now, how to be part of this show, how to help out, how to do, how to keep this show going where we don't have to take uh, six weeks off. Actually, I, I, I had to take six weeks off regardless because there was just too much going on. But I'm hoping to get a few episodes here in the can. Uh, if you want to help out the show, easiest way to do it is our Amazon links. tfu.info slash Amazon will take you to Amazon.com. Anything you buy there after Amazon. Uh, kicks back some pennies our way, uh, and I put that towards the show. Now, if you also want to help out the show directly, patreon.com slash tfuinfo. We are just one subscriber away from 25. i uh, got to give some shout-outs to our newest subscribers. One is Miguel Gonzalez. You may know him from Steel City Bots podcast. Uh, you may also know him from our live event coverage. Miguel uh, did do a fantastic job helping me out with coverage of New York Comic Con and 
we are about a month or so away from New York Toy Fair, uh, I will head back up to New York to cover that for sure, uh, hoping to get Miguel to come with me as well. So keep an eye out for that, and thank you, Miguel, for joining up on the Patreon. The second person who joined up the Patreon since we last had an episode is Jacob Owen Lucci. I'm probably butchering that last name, but his name does have umlauts in it, and that is just cool to me. Uh, so, Jacob, thank you so much for your patronage. He signed up at our senior level, and that puts us just one more away, one more person, one more dollar per month to get to our first Patreon goal. And that would be video editions of the first three episodes of Transformers University. So I'm hoping to get to that goal uh, within the next month. Because if we can maintain that for a month, that means we'll come right off of Toy Fair into video episodes uh, of Transformers University. We can start building those out and revisiting some of the past stuff we've done. Now finally, where to catch me and this show on social media? Easiest place, the place where I am most often. Twitter at tfu underscore info uh that's where i hang out that's where i post pictures that's where i post transformers news that's where i i I do a lot of of my interacting with the fans and of course there is facebook.com slash tfu info and instagram.com slash tfu info i will be getting back on the desk spots uh soon (laughs) uh i can't really do it with my current desk uh the way i did i'm waiting to have at least some of my stuff on it uh before i start doing desk spot photos every day Uh, It's kind of an open area where I work, so I don't really have the same kind of of privacy. and I want people to know me a little better before they think I'm nuts. Finally, you can always catch up on TFU on the web at www.tfu.info and the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash tfuinfo. I promise there will be more content coming there as well. My commute is tremendously shorter than it used to be, uh, so that hopefully will give me a little bit more free time to focus on fun things like tfu.info. Now, if you were listening closely, you heard me say it. Next episode, episode number 78, we will be jumping right back into the Marvel UK comics and wrapping up one of the most important UK storylines, Target 2006. And I promise you, it will not be six weeks between episodes. You will have that one real soon. So until next time, I am your host, Anthony Brucalli, owner, operator, madman, behind TFU.info. See you.